0: Uh, Today's scripture reading will be from John 21, 1 through 17. If you'd like to follow along in our Red Bibles in the pews, this is page 907. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them and although there were so many the net was not torn jesus said to them come and have breakfast now none of the disciples dared ask him who are you they knew it was the lord jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish this was now the third time that jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead when they had finished breakfast jesus said to simon peter Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord.
1: This morning, first of all, I really love this story, this post-Easter story, so I'm excited to get into this John 21 story in a minute. Before we get there, um, I just want to acknowledge again that um, as a church, many of us are still processing um, and grieving uh, the death of a loved one, Uh, Jane, our dear sister and our dear worship leader and an absolutely amazing, wonderful human being. Um, so as we process that, of course, we always have people up here to pray for you at the end of the service. Um, but also this morning, um, and I, Stephanie and I will be in the chapel right after the service. If you'd like to talk or, or pray with someone, um, we would be happy to do that with you right after the service. Um, but also, I was, as I've been processing, I was struck by one of the first times I was able to preach in the fall as the associate pastor here at Regen Um, I did a couple sermons about community, about koinonia. And Jane gave a testimony after one of those first couple sermons woven into the the theme of the service. And uh, Jane spoke about how many people had reached out to her and cared for her um, and loved her in beautiful, creative, and kind ways as she first got sick. Um, She shared this story to encourage us to be in community with one another. Um, So in that spirit, even this morning... Uh, I want to encourage us, as many of us are still processing loss, um, death, hope, joy all mixed together, um, for us to reach out to each other in that spirit, to to show love to each other, to give each other a call or a note or a text or whatever it is um, so that we know that we're not alone and that we can grieve together and process together and know that we are loved and cared for by one another. Um, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to get into John 21. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm thankful for hope. I'm thankful for resurrection. We are thankful for new life. We are thankful for forgiveness. Um, we are thankful for your presence in our midst. And God, I ask that this morning that you would just speak to us through this story. Um, and maybe even some of us need to hear different things in this story, God, but would you? Would your spirit open up our eyes and open up our ears to your voice this morning, as we look at this story uh, with Jesus. Um, In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the question for this morning is, so what about after Easter? Like, so what do you do after Easter? So, for the disciples, in that weird point in time where they were with Jesus every day, and now they weren't anymore, that after Easter experience for the disciples, And for us, uh, living in Oakland, going to Regeneration Church, what do you do after Easter? Because we had this whole Lent experience together of learning to pray and lament and fast. And then we had an Easter service that was beautiful and joyful and painful all together. And so now what do you do? Like, that's done, and now now what do we do? How do we we move forward after um, Easter? I want to explore um, this morning. Um, John twenty thirty says there are many things uh, many signs performed after the resurrection so many they can't be written in a book. So after the resurrection all these things were happening Jesus was appearing to people and doing things and teaching things so much so that it's not even all written down but I want to be imagine what it would it be like to be in that space just after the resurrection and figure out what do you do after Easter. So John 21, first couple verses. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Now, the disciples are from the Sea of Galilee. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on Palm Sunday and Jesus' crew. And then they they had been down in Jerusalem in the big city, So this looks like after the resurrection, they went back home, essentially. So they're back up in the small town, they're back up in Galilee, and actually the Sea of Tiberias um, is the same word for it's actually the Sea of Galilee, it's the same place. And they're up there, and I want to point out a couple of really simple things at the beginning of the story. One of them is that they were together. The scripture says that they were together. These brothers, these disciples, these friends... They didn't scatter. They didn't go their separate ways. They stayed um, together. Did they have it all figured out? No, it doesn't appear so from the gospel writings. Did they understand everything? Not all of it. They were slowly understanding. Did they know what to do? Not completely yet, but they were together. They they stayed together um, as a family after everything went down. They were Together, I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. If you get tired of it, but it's on purpose. They stayed together. Um, so what do you do when you're together at least, and your disciples, and it's after Easter? Well, Peter says, "Let's go fishing." Um, Simon Peter said to them, verse three, "I am going fishing." They said to him, "We will go with you." So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So Peter is this character we're going to talk about a lot this morning. He's always the brash one. He's always the one in all these Jesus stories. He's in the inner circle of Jesus, but he's often the one that just blurts things out first. So he's bold and he's brave. Sometimes he says things he probably shouldn't say, but he's always there ready to to say the thing. And so imagine being the disciples, and you're sitting together processing all that has happened that you can hardly wrap your brain around what is going on right now, what God has done, and you're sitting there, like, what do we do? Like, have you ever been with friends on, like, a Saturday, and you're sitting around, maybe when you were younger, and you're sitting around on a lazy Saturday, like, what are we gonna do next? Like, we're just sitting here, and somebody goes, let's go for a hike. Like, I'm gonna go on a hike, or like, I'm gonna go shopping, or like, I'm gonna go get lunch, right? That moment somebody says, okay, I'm gonna do this. Peter says, I'm gonna go fishing, and they say, we will go with you. Now, this thing of fishing has all sorts of symbolism. When Jesus found the disciples, he saw them fishing, and he said, come follow me. And he said, I will make you fishers of men. So there's all this going on in the background. But I want to point out, they were together. Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And they say, we're going to go with you. I want to point out, they didn't say, oh, you're going to go fishing. Peace out, bro. Have fun. Right? They could have just said, okay, like, go fishing, why would you do, okay, yeah, sure, go fishing, goodbye, have fun, but they said, okay, he's going fishing, they looked around, we'll go with you, we're going to go fishing with you, and I'm going to keep pushing this little simple point home of how this happened after Easter, that they went fishing together, they went out on a boat all together, and all night they didn't catch anything, but they were with one another in the boat, together. And I want to encourage us as we look around our circles, as we look around our church, to look around and say, is there anybody who doesn't have anyone to go out to brunch with? Is there anyone who is alone on Sabbath? Is there anyone who is alone in life and say, hey, come with me? Maybe not fishing, maybe just to brunch, maybe for a walk around the lake, but we need to be together as we process after Easter. So now let's look at verses 4 through 8 just as day was breaking. So it's been all night they're fishing, okay, and finally the sun is coming up a little bit. Day is just breaking. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that was Jesus. This is a a common thing in all of these Jesus appearances. They can't tell that it's him at first. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, and this is John writing this, the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Which to me sounds far if I'm swimming, but to them it was no big deal. They're people who, they lived on a lake, they knew the lake, they swam on a lake, they fished on a lake all the time. So as we look at this story, I want to actually back up, because Peter and Jesus and their, their relationship is central to the, kind of the climax of this story a few verses later. Um, Peter, always in the inner circle, back in John 13, 38 Before the crucifixion, Peter's with Jesus, and and Jesus says, John 13, 38, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter is apparently horrified and angry at Jesus saying this, and Peter says, no, I will die with you before I would ever deny you. And when you read it, it sounds very emphatic. No, I would die first, Jesus, I would never ever deny you. Why would you say that? I would never deny you. And then just a little while after that, the Luke account, I want to read Luke twenty-two fifty-four 54-62. Then they seized him, meaning Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Remember, he could probably dressed differently, talked differently than people in the Jerusalem area. It was obvious he was from Galilee. Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Can I be more clear? No, no, no. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And John records this, all the other gospel writers don't. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So I want you to imagine the scene. Peter denies him, denies him emphatically, denies him emphatically, and then looks up and almost imagine like the the scene parting just enough to look up and the Lord, Jesus, locks eyes with Peter And he remembers the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Another translation says, and he wept in anguish. So I want you to imagine being Peter and now living with this moment and weeping bitterly into the night in this moment and then seeing your friend and your rabbi and your savior die. And then being in this moment of like what's happens now he's dead. And then there's these moments of Jesus appearing to people and he's been resurrected and you're trying to understand, but the last moment you can remember back when Jesus was with you was you denying him emphatically three times just as he said you would. I want you to imagine holding that kind of shame and holding that kind of guilt of what you have done to this Jesus. Like some of the shame and guilt that some of us hold onto from our past, from years ago or from yesterday or from this morning, that shame and that guilt that that is there. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they say, We're going to go with you. And they're fishing and they're not catching anything. And then there's some guy they can't really see. Imagine just just the light is just breaking in in the morning, and there's some guy out there starts yelling at them what to do, (laughs) calling them children. So they say, okay, we'll put the nets on the right side. And all of a sudden, it's full of fish. It says later, 153 fish. They must have counted right after that. The net is full, but it doesn't break. And they're sitting there. And then John, who was also close with Jesus, realizes that's the Lord. Like, that's him. And it says, Peter was essentially naked like some translations say naked he was stripped for work and we could go on like culturally what he would have been wearing like a sash or a tunic or like what he had he was kind of naked okay and he's on the boat and John says that's that's him and Peter instantly in that moment throws something on ties it whatever and jumps in the water and swims to Jesus as fast as he possibly can Just imagine him, just, he jumps, just instant jump, and he's swimming straight to this Jesus. Straight to him as fast as he possibly can. Just imagine the scene, he is swimming. I wonder if he was crying, I wonder what he was thinking, but he's just, I'm just going straight to him right now. Straight to this Jesus. And the other guys are in the boat with all this fish, like, bro, seriously? We got all this fish, and he's just... I'm straight to Jesus. I don't care about the fish. Like, I am just straight to Jesus. Peter gets something about Jesus. Amen? About this Jesus who loves us. This Jesus who gave his life for us. This Jesus who offers us grace and mercy. Peter sees him and all the stuff he's been holding on to, he just, I'm just gonna swim as fast as I can to see Jesus, to run up there on the beach and look at him, face to face. Now I'm going to read verses 9 to 14. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard. See, he actually went back to help. It's nice of him. And he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, I love this come and have breakfast he could have said so many things in this like sacred moment and jesus says come and have breakfast now none of the disciples dared ask him who are you they knew it was the lord so jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them and so with the fish this was now the third time jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead so jesus says hey bring some fish and come and let's have breakfast. That's a Jesus I like. Come and have breakfast. And there is something in that, woven in all these scriptures, of the sacred nature of sharing a meal. This this sacred thing is all through the scriptures of sitting down and sharing a meal with someone and breaking bread with someone. Jesus says, come and have breakfast, and he takes out some bread. And there's all kinds of symbolism going on behind the scenes here. In the same Sea of Galilee years before, Jesus had a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and he fed 5,000 people with it and there were baskets left over. And after that scene, Jesus gets in a debate, argument with religious leaders and he explains to them that I'm the bread of life. And they have no idea what he's talking about and they don't like how he's saying it. John 6:33. he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And now Jesus is with the disciples and he took the bread and he gave it to them in this sacred moment together. And they can't really tell that it's Jesus, but they can't dare say because they know it's Jesus. So they, they're in this weird, sacred moment. And now I want to get to this, this climax of the story. So imagine the disciples are there. Peter's there first. Now they're all there. They're eating. And then somehow in the narrative, it's like everybody else fades away. We don't know if they walked away or, or we're just focusing on Peter and Jesus. But I want you to think about all that Peter was holding. All that he had gone through the guilt and the shame, and then, sp- and then just swimming to Jesus, and then they're all there, and then they have this conversation, Peter and Jesus, just face to face, 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Think about all the things in Peter's head right now, rolling through the back of his head, as Jesus asks him this. He asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. There's a lot of things going on in the background. And one way to look at this is there's two different types of love in the Greek that are being used here. Um, But John often uses them interchangeably here. There's a lot of other things going on. One of them is, it says there was a charcoal fire. Um, John says explicitly a charcoal fire in this scene with Jesus. He also, in John's recording of Peter's denial, he says it was a charcoal fire. So imagine Peter having that same special smell that it was a charcoal fire again. And there's also this thing of the three times. Three times. Not once, not twice. Three times Peter clearly denied Jesus. And now three times around a charcoal fire, Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lamb. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. Jesus restores Peter face-to-face in an intense way, echoing what he had done earlier, and he restores him. He rehabilitates him right here face-to-face. He honors him. He tells him who he is. He tells him his future right here. Jesus installs him as a shepherd. If, you've, if you're new to church stuff, this whole shepherd language might sound weird that we talk in church about people as sheep and pastors as shepherds, um, but this is normal biblical language, right, for those of you who have been in church. So we quickly know he was talking about a flock of people, right, a flock, human beings, human beings who wander around and need help and need teaching and who are often confused and lost. And Jesus says, Peter, you are this shepherd now. Teach them. Care for them. Be there for them. But I want to go back to this question at the heart of it that Jesus asks him, and I want us to reflect on this question of Jesus asking us this. Before we get into anything else, there's a very simple question from Jesus, and that is, do you love me? For us right now, today, sitting in this church building What if Jesus asks us, Do you love me? Forget the past, forget all the other, do you love me? We can start there. Do you love me? Do do you love me? Let's just start with that. Jesus says, Do you love me? Peter says, You know that I love you, Jesus. You know that I do. And then in verse 19, after saying this, he said to him, okay, follow me. He says, follow me. Now following him is going to be different because follow me earlier meant literally wake up in the morning and Jesus is literally physically with you and you literally physically say, Jesus, where are we going next, right? And you, he would literally follow him. But now he says, still, follow me. Follow what I've taught you. Follow my teachings. Follow this life of love I've taught you. Follow this life of sacrifice I've taught you. Follow giving your life away for other people. Follow me. Think about what that means, because it, it can sound lofty, and vague, follow me. But man, we we have these scriptures and we have, like if we ever forget what that means to follow me, we can turn to this thing called the Sermon on the Mount and it's a couple pages long and we can actually read if we forget. Oh yeah, here's the life Jesus taught us. Here it is. He left it for us. We know the stories. We know the life that Jesus has taught us. Now he says to us, follow me. So there's another interesting part of the story at the very end of this Um, Jesus is talking with Peter. They have this beautiful moment of restoring Peter, saying, do you love me? And then saying, okay, then follow me. And then Peter, being such a Peter moment in the scriptures, then wants to say, he sees John behind him, and he's like, but what about John? Like, is John gonna gonna die? Like, what's gonna happen to him? Because Jesus tells him, hey, you're gonna get older, you're gonna die for me. He explains it to him, and then Peter's like, but what about John? Can we Wait, what's going to happen to him, and Jesus says, what's that to you? Follow me. It, like, it totally reminds me of, like, my, my kids when they're, like, wait, but is he getting punished? Or, like, wait, but, but does he get extra cookies? Like, wait, but hold on, dad, does he, does he, like, get to stay up later? Because he's, he, he's up talking to you. Is he watching TV still? And I say, that's up to me. Like, what is that to you? You just obey me, right? I just told you what, you just obey me. So, but I think it's so like, like us human beings, right? We have this moment with Jesus. It's like beautiful and it's poetic and it's perfect and it's deep and it's with Jesus. Jesus restores him and says, okay, follow me. And then Peter's like, but can we just talk about John back there? Because can we have another? And he's like, no. What is that to you? You follow me. That's what I'm leaving you with. I checked in if you loved me. Now what I'm saying is follow me. So this morning, as we end the sermon in a few moments, I want to wrestle with what it means for us when Jesus says, follow me. It's after Easter. Spring is in the air. We wrestle with different kinds of pain, different kinds of loss. But Jesus says, okay, here's here's where you start. Follow me. If you don't know what to do, follow me me. Follow the life I've given you. Follow the life that I have taught you. Start with that. That is what I want you to do right now. Follow me. I'm gonna say a prayer for us, and then in a few moments we'll enter a time of of reflection, of of worship, of communion. Um, And I want to invite you during this time of singing and worshiping to pray and to say, okay, Jesus, I love you, And what does it look like to follow you with who I am, with my own situation, uh, my own family, my own friends, my own life? How do I follow Jesus today? Let me say a prayer for us, then we'll enter a time of, of worship in a moment. God, thank you that we can be restored. Thank you that we can mess up and fail and do horrible, shameful things, but you still love us, and you still forgive us, and you still have grace for us. And not only that, God, we can blow it horribly, and you still call us into ministry. You still call us into serving you. You still call us into loving other people and being your your messenger of hope to people around us. God, help us to follow Jesus. Help us to follow what Jesus taught us. Help us to model our lives after the kind of life that Jesus lived. So God, would you speak to us and would you give us courage to follow you? Give us courage to follow the way of Jesus in our lives. God, help us to follow you. Amen.